Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Well, good morning. We're so glad that you're joining us here today. All of you in Port Perry, Bowmanville, here at Ajax and listening online around the world, welcome. This is a very exciting day again for us. We celebrated Easter last week with the global church and we as a family. And today we get to witness baptisms. And at least once a year when we do baptisms, I'm going to take a moment to outline what baptism is. There are so many guests here today and seekers and skeptics and maybe you're watching online and checking out the Christian faith. And so let me just take a moment to walk through according to the Bible what this is. God clearly intends people who claim to be followers of Jesus to follow through with water baptism as a step of love and commitment and obedience, usually shortly after believing in him. Baptism, by the way, is directly embedded and connected to the mission of the church. It's an invitation by Jesus, but also, make no mistake, it is a command by Jesus. All followers of Jesus, as they have opportunity, are called to undergo water baptism. I mean, the very last words of Jesus himself go like this in Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, go begin to speak about Jesus, he says about myself, to every people and every ethnic group globally. And when they accept him, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely with I am with you always to the very end of the age. So no matter who you are, where you're on your journey, skeptic, seeker, uh, brand new believer, longtime follower of Jesus, let's dive in this conversation again. What is baptism? What does it accomplish? Who should be baptized? Is there a proper form of it? What happens if that isn't true? And what do we all do together? Let, let's just start with the word. The word baptism in Greek simply means to get dunked, <laughs> to get plunged, to dip, to immerse, to pass under, to emerge from. The pattern in the New Testament, if you just look at the accounts at face value, time and time again, what you see is a person going underneath water, in other words, being immersed or dipped fully in the water and then coming back out. You see this with Jesus. Jesus himself was baptized, and you can see it right embedded in the language in the Gospel of Mark 1.10. As, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, that's not meaning he was walking out of the river. It means as he was coming up out of the water after he was baptized, he saw heaven being torn open, and the Spirit descended on him like a dove. Uh, the very first time that someone from Ethiopia became a follower of Jesus, we see this in the book of Acts. Philip ha had an encounter with, uh, with God, and he was sent, and he was, had a mission and assignment to meet this person, a and he witnessed to this person who had great authority in the Ethiopian court, a and this person became a Christian. It says in Acts 8.36, as they were traveling along the road, they came to some water, and the Ethiopian eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And so he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. So they went down and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. So baptism is getting dunked or dipped. Now, what does baptism actually mean beyond the word? Christian baptism is a way of demonstrating your faith your informed trust in Jesus Christ. It is a public dem demonstration of a new identification with Jesus as now personal Savior and Lord. The symbol of water baptism is beautiful and it's profound. When a person is immersed in water, the action is an expression of death to an old way of life and resurrection to a new life now as you follow Jesus. 
Now, the book of Acts, by the way, which is the first 30 years of the Christian movement, tells the story of how people met Jesus. And if you look closely, what's striking is as people became followers of Jesus from every background, men, women, kids, Jews, Greeks, what they used to call barbarians, they don't use that word anymore, slave, rich, poor, as they all, from their, all their different backgrounds responded to the good news of Jesus, there's almost this pattern. The very first thing that happens is there's repentance. In other words, the person suddenly realizes there's a God who's love but is also holy, and they themselves have walked away from that God, and there's a sorrow over the sin they've committed and a desire to meet God now in a personal way. But there in the middle of that is like, I admit I'm a sinner, and I want to turn, I want to do a 180 from my old life, whether secular or religious or spiritual or trusting in anything, and I want to embrace God. And then the second thing happens is there's this act of faith, this act of belief, what we call informed trust, putting the hope for salvation in the person and work of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins based on his death on the cross. The belief is always rooted in Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, the early church was unbelievably clear about this, and we need to be unbelievably clear about this. The early church taught, and Jesus himself taught, there is no other way to meet God. There is no way you can connect with the divine. There is no way to be justified, made right, be okay with God, except through the person of Jesus. I mean, Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father. And remember, there's only one God. No one gets to get to God except through me. One of the earliest sermons preached by Peter, he said this in Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in nobody else. There is no other name under heaven given to humanity by which we must be saved. And so as people encounter Jesus, they repent of sin, they turn and trust Jesus, and then usually that is symbolically evidenced with what we're going to see today called water baptism. We see this in the very first Christian sermon ever preached in history. Jesus had been executed and murdered. He physically rose back from the dead, and then his people met him. They didn't believe him at first. Then they ate with him. They touched him. Jesus was a corpse. Jesus is no longer a corpse. He actually came back from the dead, and they start proclaiming that Jesus is who he claimed to be. And in the very first Christian sermon, it reads like this in Acts 2 37. When the people heard the message, they were cut to their heart. In other words, the message landed. It had impact. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Oh, and Peter responded to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Oh, and you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the promises for you and the promises for your kids. And then he makes this amazing statement. And remember, Peter's a Jew saying this, and for those who are far off. In other words, this isn't just going to be a Jewish thing. This is going to be a global thing. For all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he, he pleaded with them and he warned them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 added to their number that day. Now, I want you to notice this. This matters. After they repented, after they believed, then after they say yes to Jesus, then they're baptized. In other words, baptism doesn't make you a Christian. You don't get zapped when you get in the tank and suddenly get in. You've already said yes to Jesus. So in other words, baptism is an outward symbol of an inward decision and work that's already taken place. 
And that's why we love the, uh, the conversation around symbols because baptism and the symbols of baptism are so many. The first symbol of baptism is being washed. Imagine you had the worst day of your life in the sense that you came home and you're covered with blood and dirt and mud and feces. This has not been a good day. I don't know where you were, but it was bad. And so you go into your shower and you strip down, you burn your clothes and what? You wash and you're made what? clean. Baptism is the outward symbol that Jesus walked into your life, and what did he do? He took all the dirt and all the garbage, and, all, and he made you clean. Anyone want to say amen to that this morning, by the way? So this is what baptism is. It's the outward picture that all the stain and the dirt and the garbage of life, Jesus, because of his work, made you clean. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 11. and that's what some of you used to be, and he lists all this stuff. But now you have been washed and sanctified, which means you are made holy, and you're justified, you're right with God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So one of the beautiful values of baptism, it is the public symbol of being washed by Jesus. The second symbol is being sealed by God's Spirit. If you grew up in church and you were in Sunday school, you were used to inviting Jesus into your heart. Here's how it goes in Ephesians 1.13. Now you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in Jesus with a seal. Now this idea comes from ancient times when kings or politicians or leaders would take wax or clay and they'd put it on a law and they'd take their ring, which had their symbol in it, and they'd stamp it and they'd say, now this is law. And the beautiful image is this. When you said yes to Jesus, if you are a Christian here today, then right when you did that, God sent his spirit into you like a signet ring. He said, you're mine forever and I love you. A deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So baptism is also a reminder that God put his stamp on you and you're not big enough to kick him out and he's never leaving you because he loves you so much. Now the third thing, yeah, you can clap about that. That's a good thing, absolutely. The third symbol of baptism that we see is a literal confession of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Last week, thousands of us gathered in our community here to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. We joined hundreds of millions around the world as we said that Jesus is who he claimed. Jesus literally was executed. Jesus was a corpse. And then three days later, Jesus was no longer a corpse and he really did come back from the dead. And baptism is the confession we believe Jesus died and rose again. Here's how Paul put it in Romans 6.1. So what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that, may, that grace may increase? Oh, now I'm a Christian and I have dad's credit card. Can I keep using it? He's going to cover all the stuff? No, no, no. By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are therefore buried with him through baptism into a death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too will live new life. Here's the verse. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
So when we witness baptisms, we are being reminded, number one, sin no longer owns us. We share Jesus' resurrection power. So now we can say no to sin. Non-believers can't say no. There's no power source in them that will allow them to say no. But we have a power source called the resurrection. But not only this, this reminds us Jesus died and rose again. And if you trust in Jesus, death doesn't win in your life anymore. Sin doesn't win in your life anymore. Satan doesn't own you anymore because Jesus rose from the dead. So when we bear you one day and I'm buried one day. That's not the end of the story. Jesus came back and we're all coming back too. And that's what we celebrate today. That is the distinct difference between our movement and every other. Now here's what we say at C4 all the time. Baptism is like a wedding ring. This wedding ring does not make me married. Now if I lose it, I might die and be resurrected. <laughs> yeah, you can pray about that. But at the heart of it, this is the public declaration of inward vows. So when I actually on the stage right here got married almost 19 years ago, I publicly made the declaration that I was off the market and I was giving my life to one person and her name is Joanna. And I publicly declared actually before some of you and God that I was giving my life to her and I would not give my life to anyone else. There is no other green grass anywhere else. I've got one patch of grass and her name is Joanna. And that's it. That's all I've got. So, when you are getting baptized, you are declaring, you've got to catch this, you are saying, I'm off the market, I'm not going to follow another faith, I'm not getting involved in false spirituality, I'm no longer in charge, I'm giving vows to Jesus that he's my Savior and Lord, and I exclusively love him and him alone who gives me access to the Father by the Holy Spirit. So this is so important that we, we catch this. Now, I want you to think about this. Imagine if on my wedding day, Joanna had come down here and I was waiting here and we got to the point where we were gonna take vows and I was gonna put the ring on and I said, mm, I'm not really into that part and walked off. How do you think that would have gone? Not so well. So some of you who are, not, who are followers of Jesus, you love Jesus, you love the benefits of Jesus, you take communion, but you have not been baptized. Let me ask you a question. Why are you not willing to put on the wedding ring and say the vows. This is so absolutely important that you catch this today because you love him, you've committed your life to him. In other words, just put the wedding ring on. You need to tell the world how much you love him and you need to allow us to celebrate that in your life. Now let's talk about what baptism doesn't do. Going through the ritual of baptism doesn't make you a Christian. The only thing that makes you a Christian is faith in Jesus Christ. Water baptism is the outward visible sign of the inward invisible work. It's a thing you do after you say yes to Jesus. We don't believe in this movement, well, I'm gonna check out Jesus for 42 years and then maybe I'll put on the wedding ring. If that was true about weddings, no one would ever get married. And so just walk this through. How do you become a Christian? Ephesians 2.8, it's by grace, mercy, you get saved. Oh, it's through faith, informed trust. It's never from you or yourself. It's a gift from who? God. It's never by works, so no one can boast. Religion teaches us God likes me because of how hard I work. God likes me because I pray five times a day. God likes me because I'm really consistent at church. God likes me because I read book, good books and help poor. No, no, no. Salvation isn't a human thing. Salvation is a God thing. All our job in the middle of it is saying, yes, I trust in Jesus. I actually, the gap is so big between me and the holy God, I can't get to him. I need him to send me a savior because I'm so lost. So baptism doesn't save you. Baptism evidences the salvation you already have. 
The second thing we got to catch too is this. Baptism doesn't sort of produce some instant uh, spirituality. It's not like you get in the tank of warm Billy Graham. Like, no, like this, this is not, and, and a lot of you laugh, but this is what's in your head. You sort of think, well, you know, like there's going to be this profound moment. No, no, this is a simple step of obedience. It's one step in a lifelong pursuit of walking in the love and holiness of God through Jesus. We develop character and walk with him over a lifetime, but it's so important that you start the journey there. Now, because we have so many guests and friends and because so many people are joining C4 from so many other backgrounds, including church backgrounds, let me just do a quick FAQ so we're all on the same page. If you're from um, church, maybe you've asked this before. What's the difference between what I read about in the New Testament called spirit baptism and water baptism. Okay, I want to read some of the most revolutionary, life-changing verses that have been written in the last 2,000 years that have changed literally the fabric of the world. Paul wrote this in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. He's using the image of a literal physical body. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, and all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Jesus, by the way, for we were all, so every person who's a follower of Jesus, this is their story. We were all baptized by one spirit, so to form one body, whether we're Jews or non-Jews, slave or free, we're all given the one spirit to drink. So when you became a Christian at three, at five, at nine, at 15, 30, 60, 78, whenever it was, when you said yes, immediately God sent his spirit into you. He plunged you into Jesus through his spirit. In other words, that spirit baptism. So water baptism symbolizes the fire thing that's already burning inside your heart. Spirit baptism happens at conversion. It's not something you pray for or beg for. It happens to every single Christian. And water baptism is reminding us of spirit baptism. Now here's one that's a little bit more complicated, but it matters. I wonder if I was baptized as a baby. What do I do with that? Okay, let me walk this through. Let me help you understand the theology. If you come from an Anglican or a Catholic, Presbyterian, United background, an Orthodox background, for example. So the idea is this, that mom or dad or mom and dad come and bring a baby to be baptized. And the idea is that mom and dad are Christians, and they're genuine Christians, not cultural Christians. They really love and follow Jesus. And as the baptism takes place, the idea is that the faith of the family... The covenantal relationship with God covers the child, and they're included in God's family. And as the child grows up around 12 or 13 years old, they do something called confirmation, where that, that junior high or senior high or later young adult says, the faith of my family is now my personal faith, and I agree. Now, everyone lean in. This matters. If your parent, mom or dad, who actually took you to be baptized were not Christians, it doesn't count. Because there was no faith to cover you in the first place. Second of all, even if they were genuine followers of Jesus, not just cultural Christians, not my grandma's a Christian, so I'm like, no, no, no. Let's say they really were followers of Jesus. But actually, you never did confirmation. It also doesn't count because you didn't finish the process. So if you were baptized as a baby or as an infant, and mom and dad were not Christians, or you were never confirmed, you need to get baptized. Because actually, you have not been baptized yet. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus and you love him deeply and you were sprinkled on as a baby and mom or mom or dad and family did that and you did confirmation, here's what we'd say here at C4. One, would we say it's the best expression of baptism as found in the New Testament? No. Would we say it's false and you got to get back in the tank? We would not. We'd say it's a matter of conscience at this moment whether you feel that you need to do it again as an adult 
and you need to do it in the full symbolic way, or you say, no, genuinely, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm gonna accept that. We're good in either direction. But let me say this again, if you were baptized as an infant, and parents weren't Christians, or you did confirm, didn't do confirmation, you actually need to do this today. Now, uh, here's another question. Well, wonder if I wasn't fully immersed. Maybe I was a follower of Jesus, but I got sprinkled uh, or, or, or I got dipped. Uh, same conversation. We would say it's not the best expression of the New Testament. Is it false? No, not at all. I shared this last year. I have friends who work in southern Sudan, and they're Southern Baptists, so trust me, they're all about the dunking big time. Now, um, they're in an environment, though, where water is so incredibly precious, if they did full immersion baptisms, they'd either contaminate the water or use up the water, and everyone would die. Interesting problem as a Baptist. And so he sat me down and said, you know, John, what we've had to do is we've had to baptize people in sand. I said, you immerse them in sand? Do they literally die? He's like, no. His point was, they symbolically do that because the water was not there. So again, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been baptizing as an adult or teenager, you said, yes, praise God. Now here's another thing. Wonder if you don't feel ready or actually it's been years since you've become a Christian. So in other words, you're like, well, I just don't feel I'm ready for baptism yet because I don't have my whole house in order. No, 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 no. Baptism is a wedding ring. You don't say I'm gonna work on my marriage for 25 years and then get married. You get married and then work on your marriage the rest of your life. You're never ready for this thing, ever. You're never gonna have all your house in order. That's why we need a savior. So if you're a Christian and you've not been baptized and your excuse is, I'm not ready, you're wrong. I love you, but you're wrong. You are ready because Jesus commands it and it's an initial step, not a last step. Others of you are actually like, you know, I'm embarrassed. I've been a Christian for years and I just didn't work it out or I was afraid of public speaking or the crowd or it never worked out. I didn't want to disappoint my parents. Look, at the end of the day, if Jesus is your savior and your leader and your Lord and Jesus has commanded this of you and this is part of your discipleship journey, becoming a fully devoted follower, don't let embarrassment stop you and don't let pride stop you. Just get in the tank, as Dave says, get your donkey in the tank and get baptized because actually it's about Jesus' story, not even your own. And, and remember, some of you are like, I'm not getting baptized because someone told me I had to. Yeah, you're right. Don't dig in your heels, though, because actually your fight isn't with that person. Your conflict is actually with Jesus, who's the Lord of the universe. Just remember that in the conversation. Now, today, this is a special day for me. My daughter's getting baptized, actually, at this service, so I'm really excited. It's really good. And uh, I won't hold her under too long. And... Um, but we had an awesome conversation, Hannah, last week where we were just, she was sitting in bed and we, she was writing out her own testimony and in this really beautiful moment, she said to me, Dad, I'm a little concerned. I said, well, is it the crowd? You know, we were talking about all the normal stuff that all of us go through. And she said, well, my story. And I said, what about my story? She said, well, you know, you're you and I grew up in this home and I'm like, what, what are you saying? And she's like, well, I said, what, you don't have a terrible story where you've done all these awful things? And I said, by the way, please never do all those awful things um, uh, as you grow up. And she's like, yeah. And I said, oh, you think your story isn't what, powerful enough? And she said, well, yeah. I said, oh, babe. I said, see, this, I'm so glad you brought this up. Because again, we gotta remember this. Your story is beautiful and powerful because Jesus saved you. See, that's it. That, that's, all, that's, that's all that matters. 
because we have this mentality that a, a more profound story was I did all these evil things, I profoundly met Jesus and was saved. No, no, here's the biblical analysis of all of us. We've all done evil things, large and small. We all need salvation. When a profoundly religious person repents of being prideful their whole life and realizing they thought they could save themselves through good works and they humble themselves get saved, profound. When someone who has a huge history in, in violence and crime, beautiful. When someone says, I grew up in a Christian home, but I also need salvation same thing. Good, not good, other faith, uh, darkness, brokenness. We're not just celebrating your story. Remember, we're all celebrating Jesus' story in our own lives, and that's why the applause is deserved every time we see one of these baptisms. Now, lots of us are sitting here at all our sites, and we're like, well, this is really exciting, and I always love Baptism Sunday, but actually, um, I, I've been baptized, and so I'm more of an observer. Well, actually, you're not. Every time I do a wedding, um, I'm confronted with my own vows. And it's really interesting. When I do a wedding and I have a couple and they're getting married, I, I realize that it's my responsibility to recommit to the very thing I committed to years ago. So every single time, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been baptized, you see a baptism. And you know all of what it means and you're celebrating. You need to stop just moment in a moment. And you need to say personally to Jesus, I renew my wedding vows to you too today. You need to say, I accept you Savior, Leader, and Lord. I, I, I want you to have authority. You can say anything you want over my family, money, sexuality, relationships, dreams. Uh, I am yours. And it's a really important thing because lots of us are dry in our faith after a long time. And these are the moments where actually God might speak to us and actually bring some renewal back into our own experience. Now, if you've never been to C4 before, let me just give you some background that matters. Uh, does it, we, we baptize old and young, and people share their stories. Some people just confess. But every time we do a baptism here, we give a standing ovation. We go sideways. We scream and yell because this is more important than a sporting event. This is more important than a birthday. This is more important than everything. And let me tell you why. Because this is declaring that this person is trusted in Jesus, they have eternal life, death doesn't win, Satan's been overcome, and the resurrection is true. So, we're going to see all sorts of people go public today. Now, some of you, as you've been hearing me preach, have been like, oh my goodness, I need to get baptized. You do. And so, as people are getting baptized, and we're witnessing this today, I just want to say this. If you are a Christian and you have not been baptized, and you know you're supposed to, during the baptisms or after, we have bathing suits, we have t-shirts, we have towels, we have the Holy Spirit, we have scripture, we've got everything you need. We've got everything you need. So come up and say, I need to get baptized, and we'll baptize you. At Bowmanville, it's the same thing for you. And in Port Perry, I know you're watching this virtually here today. And so you can sign up with your site pastor. Or if you're so convicted, get to the 1230 service here, and we'll dunk you in the next uh, service. So I hope you're excited. Are you ready to do this today? All right. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.